We have explored much about alien theories, but now a whole new official cast of characters claims that they have seen or heard about evidence that they're here. And now this common Christian response has become a meme that aliens are just demons. Well, are they? If these creatures do exist, have they been deceiving us? Or maybe if they fly all this way to planet Earth only to be seen or crash, they're just kind of stupid. Or maybe they're here to teach us a better, more enlightened way. Welcome back to Fantastical Truth, the podcast from lorehaven.com in which we explore fantastical stories for God's glory. I'm me, Steve Burnett, the very human, never abducted publisher of Lorehaven and co-author of The Pop Culture Parent. And I'm Zachary Russell, and I can neither confirm nor deny that this is episode 175, Are the Aliens Liars, Lunatics, or Lords? That phrase comes from C.S. Lewis, a perennial uh, guest on this podcast, even though he is technically the with show. the Lord, <laughs> friend of the show, even though he doesn't know it. We're good friends with him. We're kind of uh, gadflies, actually. Kind of stands. Lewis proposed, I believe it was in Mere Christianity, what has been called his trilemma about Jesus Christ, that you have to have one of three reactions to him. Is he a liar? Did he make everything up about his claims? Is he a lunatic? Uh, no more sense than a man who says he is a poached egg. Or is he your Lord and Savior? Mm -hmm. I guess some wag, some atheist comes along and says, well, it could just be all a bunch of stuff other people made up about him. Uh, but in that case, I think it still fits within the first two of Lewis's trilemma. So I thought, Zach, we've been talking about aliens a lot with the Armies of the Aliens micro series on Fantastical Truth. You're usually at the helm of this spaceship, and I thought I might take a turn at the controls myself <laughs> and uh, drag in some of Lewis's logic and apply them to our uh, little green friends. Well, it, it's so funny, Stephen, this whole framing of the show. I just watched this interview on the Glenn Beck show with an investigative journalist about the UFO issue, and he used almost the same framing. He's like, he's like, I see three possibilities. One, that it's a government psyop and everyone's lying. Two, that it's a mass delusion and everyone's crazy. Or three, the aliens are really here. I'm like, holy cow, he just did the same <laughs> the same shtick. So it I, shows I think that I'm in the wrong industry. I need to be going <laughs> on to you know major uh, Mormon podcasters, uh, cultural <laughs> conservatives, and talking about the fact that they are among us. Uh, Zach, you've been tracking with this stuff a whole lot more than I have, so you're going to be my source on uh, this episode. But I wanted to share just real quick before we get started uh, that I was pretty young when I first heard about this whole aliens idea. And I must say that at the time, uh, call this a prejudice or call this just a, a good uh, viewpoint to have, uh, I was convinced that there was something dark and satanically sinister about this whole idea. I never got the idea that aliens could be just animals or just not very good at flying their spaceships. Uh, it was always the idea uh, that they are something darkly spiritual and sinister uh, from a very young age. Uh, there was even, we just have Phil Lawler on our last episode, 174, talking about philosophy and things at great length in good ways. Uh, there was an Adventures in Odyssey video, number five. It was a Star Trek parody. Now, Phil Lawler didn't uh, do anything, but I think maybe be a voice in some of those tapes. Still set kind of in a, a splinter version of the uh, Odyssey verse. And in this uh, in this show, they had uh, two little kids imagining that they are getting chased by an alien. And I just remember being horrified, kind of the uh, same way that people would say now if they say that something is gone woke. I think back then I thought that as a Christian, 
I cannot believe in aliens, nor shall I set them before mine eyes in an animated Christian <laughs> evangelical children's videotape. Now, obviously, I got over it, but there was a while there where we were just skipping that scene. Nobody told us to. We didn't have some bostrick parent come along and say, no aliens in this household. But I thought that we had to censor ourselves from this terrible harm. So that's the kind of viewpoint I'd like to avoid going forward. We're going to confront this stuff head on. Uh, Christians ought not fear demons any more than usual. Uh, in Christ, we do believe that he has uh, mocked those foes, and yet they can still do us some harm. We do have warnings against the devil, so that's uh, kind of an early uh, grab from the concession stand. Yeah, I think with this issue, we, we have to acknowledge there is a supernatural world. The question is, is that all there is, and does that explain everything? And so that's what we're going to get into. First, however, we will get into our first sponsor for this segment, uh, Enclave Publishing, with their upcoming book. It has nothing to do with aliens, has nothing to do with ninjas, but it does have to do with pirates. So in this segment, pirates beat aliens. It's dangerous to be a pirate. In fact, Enclave Publishing presents Savage Bread, the highly anticipated final installment in the YA pirate fantasy trilogy from author Victoria McCombs. The seas have become more threatening than ever with enemies closing in on all sides. War isn't just brewing, it's here, knocking on their doorsteps, threatening to devour them all. And just as she was warned, Emmy might have been the one to create the chaos. But she's a pirate now, a pirate who will do what it takes to save her crew, even if it means oath-binding herself one final time. Savage Bread, book three in the Royal Rose Chronicles, is available August 22nd wherever fantastic books are sold. Pre-order now online or ask for it at your favorite bookseller. That'll be a hardcover at first. It's also available in audio from Oasis Audio. You can get those links in our show notes for episode 175 or go to lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors. You can also see our upcoming two sponsors in this show, the Lorehaven Guild, as well as fantasy author Michelle M. Brune. All right, Zach, we got some uh, alien-shaped cookies over here, green, of course, or gray, uh, depending on whether or not you see color. As I mentioned earlier, uh, this is our latest installment in the ongoing Armies of the Aliens series on Fantastical Truth. I've lost count of how many episodes we've done. Uh, usually they're kind of newsy focused, maybe with a guest talking about the spiritual or newsy applications of this issue. Uh, chances are that's why we're not saying your favorite thing about the aliens in this episode. We get to the end of uh, the hour or so, whatever, and say, well, they didn't mention this, or they didn't mention this uh, really reputable videotape over there, or they didn't mention that this one was discredited in 1995. Well, chances are Zach said something about that in our last episode. Or, of course, you can email us or leave a comment about your favorite alien thing. But I'm guessing we've covered it or will cover it. Uh, some of this episode, for example, I, I kind of launched with that overview of a, a brief Christian perspective on spiritual warfare. A lot of this does overlap with the uh, the idea that Satan will ramp up the conspiracies just in time for some end times. That may fit or it may not fit with your Christian perspective on end times fan theories. We went over a lot of those in episode 80 of Fantastical Truth. A lot of those links in the show notes if you want to go back and check out those episodes. So the more you study the alien issue, you come into this thing called the Fermi paradox, which is if the universe is so full of life, where is it? And with the UFO issue, it's like, if, if these are all interstellar craft from other dimensions, why don't we have one at the Air and Space Museum? Why don't we have an alien body in the Natural History Museum? Where's the evidence? Where's the stuff? Maybe a government cover-up explains it all. But in regarding the whole question of aliens themselves, like, why don't we know where the aliens are? 
There's a, a solution to that that I favor, which is the zookeeper hypothesis, which is that something is keeping the aliens away. And so I'm just going to put my cards on the table. That's what I believe. And I think God is the zookeeper. I, I think if there's aliens, and I kind of think there are, not entirely sure because we don't really know one way or the other when it comes down to it. I think God is keeping them away at this moment, or at least uh, keeping it sort of under wraps uh, for various reasons I'll get into later. Yeah, you, you mentioned the news, Stephen. There's this big to-do right now in the news about a whistleblower from the intelligence community named David Grush. And there's a big hearing on uh, Capitol Hill that he spoke to several congressmen about. It's the Select Committee on Intelligence, I think. And you can go watch that. It's on C-SPAN, YouTube, wherever you want to find it. Uh, lots of podcasts have really uh, did a deep dive into that. Uh, Blurry Creatures, Haunted Cosmos, Cultish, a bunch of those. We've covered that in detail. So just shout out to those podcasts, just some free advertising there for them. As for why we're talking about this, so here, here's why I'm really interested in this topic, Stephen. It's because the way that we think about this and analyze it as Christians is important because our methods of determining truth matter. They, they matter because we can adopt bad methods of acquiring truth in the process and I think that's really the main reason to think clearly about this. I, I think there, there's a secondary reason that often gets promoted too much, which is like respectability. Like, oh, well, we need to care about this because other people care about it. And we don't want to look foolish. Uh, we don't want to look foolish to other Christians or to non-Christians or to the world, the church. You know, yes, like I, I understand that motivation. You know, people care about this, so we should care about it. We should be respectful. We should be knowledgeable, whatever. I don't think that's the most important reason. I think the most important reason is it's an interesting puzzle. It's a mystery. And how we think about mysteries directly relates at times to how we do our own theology. Zach, I just realized, I think, what may be a slight difference between how we approach this issue. Uh, maybe overgeneralizing here, but it seems to me that for you, it's more about the the mind element of it, how we think of the puzzle that we need to disentangle or, or put the pieces together to keep to the metaphor. I think that I, if I err on this issue, I err on the side of the heart level. I'm concerned about human souls. That sounds really spiritual and really ministerial, but there are people who are being deceived about this issue. And, and maybe in two general ways, one of them could be what you just alluded to the whole, everybody knows complex. Yeah. The idea that you need to go along with the crowd or your crowd or who you think is the crowd. Just figure out what the majority opinion is and go along with it. Uh, you might miss some conspiracy that's really going on, however, if you go in that direction. Uh, the opposite correction, of course, is nobody knows the truth except for me and my friends. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, that is kind of that Gnostic secret knowledge impulse that a lot of people have used to fall into false teaching or rank heresy or just bad policy or bad ways looking at the world. Uh, I find it interesting, for example, that a lot of the same people who would say the government is covering this up uh, now after the last guy uh, did his uh, test of um, his, his testimony at the hearing or whatever, uh, you might ask him, well, well, how do you know uh, that the government is actually uh, has uh, bodies and uh, spaceships not of this earth? And they say, well, that government official said it under oath. I'm like, OK, so is the government always lying or not? You know, it just kind <laughs> right. of seems uh, at least a paradox, if not hypocritical. Yeah, they lied before, but they're telling the truth now. I totally right, right. get that. I totally get that. Feeling. Yes. The, yeah. the guy, you know, I don't know him, but th this guy has seen the light now. Uh, this is his, uh, this is his conversion arc. 
he is now no longer motivated by anything except telling the truth. Uh, that is the truth as me and my friends on the internet would, would see it. It seems to be the effect here. But I'm also concerned just that Christians will either miss out on some evangelism opportunities here, uh, some cultural engagement, as I believe our next guest in our next episode will be talking about. Uh, but we may also fail to think biblically about spiritual warfare. Um, I am aware, of course, that there are many Christians who have gone way too far with the spiritual warfare stuff. They have a whole fan fiction headcanon about how exactly you're supposed to go whoop the demons, uh, whereas the scripture is more concerned about whooping your own sin that the demons can use. But there are still spiritual forces active in the world. Uh, Christ has indeed defeated them, but we know that uh, final victory is still in the future. One of the best texts about this is actually in uh, the book of Colossians, starting in uh, verse uh, or chapter 2, verse 8. The Apostle Paul writes, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, like we talked about in the last episode. There's some bad philosophies there. Captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. The Apostle Paul then goes on to talk about a summary of the gospel, that Christ is the ruler and Lord of everything. Here, how he, here's how he saved you. You've had uh, the uh, buried with him in baptism and raised with him through faith. And then it says in verse 13, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made a life together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Verse 15, very important. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. I think that's a keystone verse uh, that I want to cite before we go into chapter one, just to remind us that, yes, there are evil rulers and authorities out there, but Christ has defeated them. So we're not going to approach this issue with a spirit of fear about what's being covered up. Uh, or what the uh, the evil spirits out there might be doing to us in their spaceships or their projections of spaceships or whatever, uh, we can stride forward into this with some measure of confidence, I believe, especially if you're right about the zookeeper idea and the zookeeper being God. Why could we not just apply this idea to this text and then determine that, yes, Christ as ruler over the earth, uh, although not yet physically seated in the New Jerusalem, that's just a matter of time, Christ is indeed shielding the earth from some bad haunts from out there in space. And if you look in between the lines in the book of Daniel, as I guess some Christian authors have done, you get the idea that demons and angels are somehow limited to space travel. They, they can't just apparate. Uh, they got to get from one point to another. Seems to be the idea, uh, even though they're obviously not uh, exactly on our dimension. But that leads me to chapter one then. Uh, this uh, liar, lunatic, or Lord's uh, paradigm here. This is kind of the, the most common evangelical view, I would say, and it's fairly close to my view. The aliens could be liars. That is satanic agents. And of course, some of these videos that we've seen and a lot of these eyewitness testimonies, I put that in quotes, are probably pranks or scams. You know, somebody heard about what went on at Area 51 and then, you know, going back then, uh, people had uh, rudimentary cameras and equipment and little props, and they, they got the whole legend started. And then later on, you saw the prop UFO made out of cardboard and tinfoil in Grandpa's attic. And it turns out he was just uh, pulling a fast one on everybody in his little Florida town. Uh, some of this stuff is a scam, but I do believe, Zach, that many, not all people, 
who claim closer encounters with some kind of being in the woods, or maybe they feel like they 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 got uh, transfixed and went up in a spaceship or something. I, I think it is true that some of those have been messing with the wrong kinds of spirits. This is just occult activity that we have heard about all throughout the history of the church and even before that. And some Christian researchers have looked into it and they see the parallels between, for example, an alien abduction story uh, and someone who said they were carried off uh, by the evil creatures of the forest or somebody who was, for example, in the New Testament, uh, demon possessed and couldn't be controlled. You try to chain him up and he breaks out of the chains with some kind of supernatural strength or adrenaline strength or whatever. Then he has to go out, live among the tombs. And then the only thing that can reach him is the absolute honing power of Jesus Christ to halt the demon. This, these kinds of stories are pretty common. I just think that because we in the United States, and Zach, you've seen the, the picture that shows where all the UFO sightings have happened, and they're all lit up in the United States for some reason, supposedly. I know you have a take on that, but real quick, uh, the, the United States seems to be seeing more of these things, and, and the idea, at least, is that, well, the U.S. is more secular, more materialist, so the devil's going to switch genres. He was all supernatural genre before, like obvious good and evil stuff in the old days. Then he kind of switched to fantasy when people were dealing with uh, pantheism, especially in other nations the Christians were trying to reach. And then he switches to paranormal with ghosts and all that. And then now that we're in a more scientific age where people are flying and going to outer space, uh, the devil switches to science fiction. Yeah, the problem with that map, and I've, I've seen it, is that it's based on English language websites for reporting UFOs. Oh, I see. Okay. So we're busting a myth here. This is good. This is helpful. Okay. Yep. Now, I, I agree with you in part here, Stephen. I think, and I, I've always kind of held the view that there's a spiritual element to the UFO phenomenon. I, I still think that explains some of it. And interestingly, even secular UFO researchers like Jacques Vallée he holds to this sort of interdimensional hypothesis about extraterrestrials, that there's something beyond the physical that manifests in the physical, it manifests physical effects, but there's some element of our consciousness that's tied up into this. And that, that's where I, I kind of like perk up a little bit, because if you look at a lot of the modern day ufologists, there are some that advocate for this thing called CE5. Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. So I, I won't go through all of these Close Encounter, one, two, three, four, five. But Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind means summoning UFOs through the power of meditation and your consciousness. And I'm like, hmm, where have I heard this before? <laughs> this, this sounds very familiar to prohibitions in Deuteronomy against summoning spirits and, and that sort of it thing. It sounds like an evil professor at the uh, community college in a Frank Peretti novel, which is yeah. exactly the kind of shtick that they were doing in the new age movement. Yeah. And, and there are, there are prominent people that you can, you can find online. I'm not going to name them because I don't really want to send people down these rabbit holes, but yeah, they, they will teach you these methods of meditating and, you know, using psychic powers to bring these glowing orbs in the sky. Really interesting though. Uh, some people even in that community are realizing like maybe there's something really dangerous about this. And actually the one person I do want to highlight here is Tom DeLong. He's at the center of a lot of this stuff. He's the Blink-182 musician that uh, has somehow partnered with these government insiders for UFO disclosure. And uh, he went on one of these CE5 trips and where, where they summon these things in the middle of the desert. And then he had this overwhelming sense of fear. 
And he's like, there is something dark and evil about this phenomenon. And I don't want any, I don't want to do this anymore. As far as I know, he's not a Christian, but no, that's, that's a conviction. That's senses from God though. That's, that's yeah. a sense of that, a, a spiritual survival there. If that's happened, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Now again, does this explain everything? I don't think so, but it, it certainly explains a large portion of it. We, we have to say that at the outset because we're a Christian podcast. Like we, we have a Christian worldview. The devil prowls around waiting and, and looking for someone to devour. Now, as you said, Stephen, he is, he's been disarmed. How exactly that works now, I don't entirely know uh, because, you know, we are moving into a post Christian world here. And in other parts of the world, yes, they're like the more animistic societies. Oh, they, they have out front, you know, just, obvious witchcraft, you know, shaman kind of stuff, uh, spiritual engagement. And so could it be taking the sci-fi form here? Absolutely. That, that could absolutely be happening because the devil masquerades as an angel of light. He is going to masquerade as whatever gets past people's defenses. Back to that map that you mentioned, why are all these sightings in the U.S.? Well, there's a simple reason that it's all the websites are based in the U.S. and they're English. So, but then you have to wonder, well, why do we have all these websites? You know, that doesn't quite explain it. Like, why do we have all these UFO reporting mechanisms? Why, why are we so hung up on that? Well, maybe it's because that is the latest tactic of the devil, because we, we are a society that is primarily materialistic. We are not a supernaturalist-based society anymore. That's a fair point. Uh, kind of speaking to both sides of that whole map issue there and kind of pointing out a flaw in my own argument there about American centralized uh, materialism. The whole idea did technically get started in the United States with the whole Area 51 mythos. Uh, we do export a lot of uh, the science fiction about these stories. I think with uh, with the with the Britons, it's it's Doctor Who. You know, the, the doctors flying around uh, fighting aliens, and there's some abduction stories and things there as well. Otherwise, uh, basically, we got all the sci-fi. So people have these sci-fi explanations drifting in the air, uh, part of our popular culture, to explain this phenomena. Whereas other people in other cultures uh, may have made a, a cave painting or something, or or some kind of uh, art in Japan to explain what supposedly happened that everybody's whispering about in the village on the other side of the mountain about some terrible spiritual oppressive force. I think these things have always happened, and yet the devil uh, does change tactics based on the types of people he's dealing with. Uh, one of the older books I've read about this, Zach, was actually called Alien Intrusion by a Christian fellow named uh, Gary Bates. Uh, he actually documents some of these cases, again, not saying they're all like this, but some of these cases where people were getting involved with supposed extraterrestrials and yet it was in response to some terrible spiritual occult practice or something that they were dabbling with uh and the thing that really impressed me at the time i read this book read it about two or three times a while ago was that people were able to ward off the supposed alien by calling on the name of christ now jesus's name in any language is not a magic incantation to drive away Christ. You have to believe in him. You have to be sincere to call on him. But the fact that this person was talking with a Christian researcher and it apparently later on converted uh, shows that that call was genuine. This apparently was sufficient to stop uh, the alien intrusion uh, on that person. 
Uh, if that is indeed the case, then I think that it explains a lot of the fear uh, and the horror and maybe even the impulse to cover things up uh, that we do detect rightfully associated with these issues. I'll talk about this a little bit later when we talk about whether the aliens are the lords, but most people are haunted by the idea of an alien from outer space. Like there's some people who've tried to make them into some sort of benevolent being of light, which is a dreadful thing to do, by the way, a little too familiar with a certain disguise that Satan likes to put on. Some people like to treat them as this uh, wonderful, highly evolved uh, spiritoid that's going to usher in an age of enlightenment. Most people, however, still think about them as the horror from outer space. Uh, Lacey and I were watching the finale for Star Trek Strange New World Season 2, which goes directly into that. Uh, they actually revisit the, the corny villain that Captain Kirk fought uh, out in Nevada somewhere, the Gorn, the guy in the lizard suit. Strange New Worlds in the last season made the Gorn into a menacing threat. They gave them this whole mythos. Uh, it was an amazing, uh, uniquely Darwinian survival of the fittest type creature. Sort of the Star Trek take on uh, the, the original Alien uh, movie. Uh, and in this case, they actually played a little bit with some of the, the zombie tropes. And I won't get into that. But it's fascinating to see a return of the haunt from outer space trope. Uh, this alien is a horrifying monster who wants to kill you and can't be reasoned with. Now, maybe they you know, come at it later and then say that there's, you know, a different kind of, you know, Gorn scientist or something who can actually talk with you and maybe is a little bit more enlightened, you know, I imagine they may do something like that, but there are still monsters to deal with. And Star Trek at its best has always been interested in dealing not with the whole magic alien is going to teach you a better way. Uh, it's better when there are evil aliens from outer space, whether it's the Klingons or the Romulans that are more like, you know, political actors or just a warrior race. But if it's just a monster, like a, a techno zombie, like the Borg or some kind of, you know, total animal uh, like the Gorn, those I think are closer to reality because that thing is dangerous. Uh, and without the, uh, the interference of any benevolent zookeeper, uh, I think that they would be doing a lot more. And so I think there's a lot to be said about the fact that the aliens could be liars. That is, they are on a mission from their father, the father of lies, the devil. Uh, and they really do want to deceive people, both at the individual level and also by getting these rumors out there, which, by the way, tend to support uh, the godless evolution idea uh, that we are not alone in the universe and it's terrible. Whereas the Christian comes along and says, you are not alone in the universe and it is wonderful because there is a good and gracious God out there who's going to save you from your rebellion against him and bring you into his eternal happiness. It subverts the gospel if the devil comes at you with this overt monster from space is going to kill you beware type idea yeah i i think this idea of malevolent uh aliens is sort of a disguise that demons wear yeah it, that resonates um so let me let me tell you one thing in the news and one thing from personal experience i think relates to this the breaking news thing if you want to call it that it's just a big thread on reddit right now there's these videos that have surfaced from 2014 that appear to show a Malaysia Airlines plane getting teleported away by these three glowing orbs that surround it. And there's both a drone infrared image or video and then a satellite video and that perfectly sync up and see it that seem to be at the right GPS coordinates. Now, no one knows where these came from. There's nothing official or unofficial from the government. There's no one saying from the top or from the bottom of the government, oh, you know, these are legitimate government images. So let me just put that out there. The whole thing could be a hoax. But the most interesting thing about this development 
is that the top comment in this thread is, I've never wanted so badly for aliens to not be real. No, that's fear right there. That's, yeah. That's a feeling of being haunted. Yeah. And I thought about, I'm like, well, of course. I mean, I've, I've flown over the Pacific. It, that's, I'm not scared of flights or flying, but it is a little bit nerve wracking to think there's nothing below me except ocean. And now I got to worry about aliens teleporting my plane away. <laughs> like it was scary enough when the theory about the the Malaysia Airlines uh, MH370 flight was that the pilot was suicidal and just took a nosedive into the ocean. And there's so much weirdness about that. You know, I, I don't know that we're ever going to find the answer, but I, I understand why we want some answers. And maybe this is an answer. But but again, it's it's the impulse of I hope this isn't true. Like. I want to believe it's not real like that. That was really fascinating to me because again, it goes back to the idea of human sovereignty. Like, are we the apex predator on this planet? If we're not, that's scary. So the second thing I want to tell you is more personal. I've read a lot of these alien abduction stories and the materialist counter argument to it is, Oh, that's just sleep paralysis. That's just this fear center in your brain getting lit up because, uh, oh, it's just this biological process. It's, there's nothing spiritual about it. There's nothing extraterrestrial. It's just purely, you know, evolutionary, uh, stuff. And, and then I look at that, I'm like, this is actually very similar to, for lack of a better term, demonic nightmares that I have had at times where in this dream, I have prayed for Jesus to protect me. Like I have, I have encountered some kind of supernatural entity in a dream in, in sort of the reverse way that like biblical characters encountered some angel, like telling them something to do. I, I have had experiences where I, I definitely believe a demon was harassing me. And in the dream, I recognized it and I prayed for Jesus to help me. And then I woke up and it, and it went away. And these alien abduction stories where people have done that, and maybe they're not even Christian. They're like, oh, there's an alien trying to get me. Jesus, help me. And then the alien goes away, you know, like this Gary Bates book. It's fascinating how much overlap there is there. So again, I think we have to, we have to take a supernatural view of some of this. But on the other hand, it's like, I, I understand why there's that impulse of like, I hope it's fake. <laughs> well, maybe we'll do a demons and Satan and spiritual warfare show. It may seem a little earlier in the year to do it. You need to do it around October, of course, yeah, because right. people are ready to talk <laughs> about the spooky things. There's different Christian views on that, though. Like some Christians do believe uh, that demons can haunt or oppress a Christian so much uh, that it almost becomes like a, a possession effect. And then uh, like Sam Storms, for example, uh, he wrote a big book about spiritual warfare that my wife and I read and kind of argued with about 40 percent of it, but affirmed 60 percent of it. And I think altogether the effect was a positive one. Uh, and, and then there's another theologian like Wayne Grudem, who does some Greek word studies and says, guys, like we need to stop saying demon possession. The most a demon can do to any person is oppress them very badly. And then if you are in Christ, then uh, Christ is moved in and the strong man is kicked out and there's right. no space for him. You know, the, the devil has to go somewhere else. Well, that doesn't mean the Christian is free from a demon harassing you. And right. obviously your account would seem to confirm that a demon can just go completely over the top and overt. And yet at the same time, I do wonder why would they do that then in this materialist society, especially when so much progress is being made in the identity front and people trying to alter themselves uh, to some sort of uh, alien body almost. Why would the devil not then go for a more benevolent approach? 
Uh, and spoiler alert, I think he's probably going to move in that direction uh, as we uh, keep culturally proceeding down this path. Uh, screw tape and screw tape letters, for example, says that, hey, Wormwood, like, why are you thinking about just coming at the guy and saying, boo, I'm a demon? Like, don't be so stupid. Our policy <laughs> right now is concealment. We used to do that in the old days, but right now, like, our methods need to be more circumspect. They're a whole lot more deadly, and the results are way, way better for us demons. So chill. Satan seems not to be doing that in some cases. Sometimes he does just seem to want to jump out and go boo, but it also seems to be very targeted. It seems to be to go after the people who are vulnerable, who have suffered maybe generational trauma or some other kind of trauma, or maybe very stressed out from their government job. Who knows? Like some of those testimonies I heard clips from, people were saying how fearful they felt. Maybe not necessarily about the, the aliens themselves or the idea of them, uh, but the cover-up and the idea that they were going against the system. But that makes me wonder why then would people want to cover things up if they didn't feel fear? Uh, there's this fearful effect that happens that I think Christians can uh, not ignore, but certainly resist. Uh, because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. But there's another uh, thing that aliens could be, which we'll get to after our second sponsor. It'd be us. Open slot, the Lorehaven Guild. Uh, your sponsorship could go here next. But because you didn't get here in time, faithful listener, I thought I'd take it myself for the Lorehaven Guild. The Lorehaven Guild is our exclusive community on Discord, and it serves a community of heroes who gather to celebrate Christian-made fantastical fiction with delight and discernment. By the way, we also have a topic for Armies of the Aliens this series within the podcast so any comments about that go in there and talk about it guild heroes can join monthly main quest parties that travel into the fantastical worlds of new books we will explore these stories beauty goodness and truth and their opposites applying their meanings to the real world of our ultimate author all of our lorehaven quest guides follow a sacred scrolls faith statement and we require every hero in the guild to uphold the guild of honor to respect jesus and other heroes Avoid vulgar language, celebrate great stories, and keep to the quest road. So how do you join the Lorehaven Guild? You subscribe free at lorehaven.com, and we send you the exclusive invitation link. If you're already subscribed, uh, not just to the podcast, but at lorehaven.com, you can search your existing email updates for that link and then use the Discord app or your browser to enter the Lorehaven Guild, and we will see you there. Zach, it would be a wise choice to join the Lorehaven Guild, but as we see in Chapter 2, the aliens might be unwise. They might be not just liars, but they could be lunatics. Some of their behavior, Zach, makes no sense, and you probably know more about this than I do. Uh, I'm going to pitch this one to you. Why would the aliens, if they're so advanced and they're so evolved, and presumably they got cold fusion and teleportation and all the rest of it, warp drive and so on, why would they come to Earth in the first place? Don't, and don't say because they want to scope out the military because they'd want to scope out the military in order to get at something they think the military is keeping from them. So what, what's, what's the deal there? Well, I would say I, I actually have a problem with this question itself. And this goes back to the, I, I think our methods of pursuing truth matter. This is a, a failure of imagination type question or the argument from in, incredulity. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. Therefore, it's not real. You know, that sort of thing. And, and the reason why, I, I, and I'm not trying to give you a hard time. But you the give me a hard time, it's okay. This could be correct. <laughs> but I, I see this question all the time in a lot of Christian media, and I think it's a trap to go down this route because that exact argument can be used against us. Well, if there's a God, why would he be interested in this little planet among billions of planets? You know, it's okay, the but same. then Christians have a response to that, though. 
He is interested because it is his creation and human beings uniquely are his image bearers. And God wants to do all things for the magnification of his own glory in the universe. Yeah. There's that answer. It's a fair question to ask. Hey, this seems stupid to me. So, right. Right. Well, I mean, the fact is, though, that humans go to all kinds of weird places to explore that make no sense to us. And in a sense, we go to the bottom of the ocean. You know, there was that uh, tragedy recently of the submersible going to see the Titanic. It's like, why, why would people do that? Like, why would you go down there? Like, what's to gain from that? We go to the South Pole. You know, there's the, uh, was it uh, Li- Livingston or the, uh, what's that book? Uh, and, uh, the, the Shackleton or Ernest Shackleton that took the uh, famous voyage down there and then had to get everyone back when their ship uh, crashed or something. We go to the deepest jungles. We go to the surface of the moon. We sent 12 people there. And then we are, we go to distant planets and moons, but via robots. And so that's one of the theories about UFOs is that maybe these are just drones and robots that the aliens have sent here. There's this idea of a, um, of a von Neumann probe, like a self-replicating robot that gets sent out into the galaxy. It's one of those Fermi paradox solutions is that maybe it's just, we're, we're dealing with the crashed, you know, spacecraft of, of other aliens. So that, those are some possible answers. Okay. So the possible answer there is like more like this is the Federation only we're not there yet. And they're just exploring. They're just curious. There's scientists on there. They're yeah. not uh, evil space critters. Uh, they are just researching uh, the planet in the galaxy or the solar system next door. Okay, so they're not here for the gold or the water or the oxygen or something that is run out on their planet because we're in a dystopian sci-fi. It's just yeah. kind of a really basic conflict-free sci-fi, and really all this is kind of a misunderstanding. Well, yes and no. I, I think it's possible that they are anthropologists in a sense. You know, okay, so let, let, let's back up a second. If, if this is extraterrestrials, they've mastered interstellar travel, and assuming that most planets in our galaxy are unpopulated, which that seems to be the case, it, if not all of them, but the vast majority have no, you know, civilizations on them, then they don't need to invade a populated planet for resources. Yeah, they, they wouldn't be here just for the gold or the, the, the gold-pressed latinum or whatever it is in Star Trek. Um, they can get those things almost anywhere. So why would they come here? Well, what do we have that other planets have? We have life. And so maybe they're studying, you know, biological life, but then there's also the sinister side of this. There's all of the reports of cattle mutilations. There's the reports of abductions. Uh, Another thing in the news recently is this, uh, and I'm, I'm just reporting this. I'm not saying I believe this, but there's these reports out of Peru from these, uh, very rural jungle communities of these face peeler type aliens that are abducting people and doing what the name says. Some of it caught on video that I've watched and it's very odd and kind of disturbing, but is that what the aliens are doing? They're, they're sort of like harvesting biological life for some reason. I mean, again, that that's a very popular theory in the UFO community. Why they're doing that? Well, who knows? I mean, they, why do we put animals in zoos? You know, is it's kind of the same thing. It's like, because we, consider animals to be lesser than us we don't put humans in zoos we put animals so aliens could be putting us in some sort of preserve because they they don't really value us the way they value themselves or something that's the explanation at least in the ufo world well there's about uh, several hundred different uh, classic sci-fi short story possibilities that could spin off just from this explanation 
I guess at the back of my question is first an assumption that the aliens could be lunatics. Like, not that there's anything wrong with that, because I think that every (laughs) explorer, every pioneer who's going off to the North Pole or the top of Mount Everest or the bottom of the ocean or something has got to be a little bit crazy. No offense. Like humans can be every, every human's a little bit crazy, but to do all of that for such seeming little reward, uh, seems to be a, a little bit more crazy. And so if these are alien explorers and their intentions are just benign, I still think they're a little bit crazy. But the fact is, is that I'm also kind of blending together all of the alien lore that we've got, uh, all the legends about what they're doing. They're, they're mutilating cattle. They're mutilating people. Uh, they are you know, testing the nuclear defenses. They're buzzing the Malaysian plane and then teleporting it off to their top a pocket dimension. You could rule out 95% of those legends and then keep 5% of them. And then maybe their motives would make more sense. I I guess there's some of the sci-fi lore that we also have in here about, well, why would the aliens go after the military? Well, it's because they're trying to invade. Like, why would would they want to invade? They seem to have everything they need to travel all this distance. Uh, Are they losing something? Well then, okay. So what are you going to get out of a cow that you didn't already have on your planet? You know, do you need parts for your spaceship? Like, what is exactly the motive here? It, it seems that there ought to be some kind of material motive, and yet there could be just a, an exploration motive, or maybe there is something something more sinister going on, even if they're not just demons. I, I do hear this point made often, though. How can they be so technologically advanced and then crash? You know, the, the drones that are zipping about and seeming to defy laws of physics, uh, whether or not there's actually a biological life form in there. And, and by the way, I think you're right. If it's got to be some kind of drone or something technical that's like actually generating its own gravity field uh, rather than being vulnerable to the winds and our own gravity. There wouldn't be a human in there without some inertial dampeners. Why would they do all that just to hang out? Well, maybe they are just hanging out. You know, In that case, maybe we would have something in common. But then why would they crash their spaceships? Like, Why do those spaceships keep going down? Then? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's the, the simple answer is they're not infallible. You know, we, we crash things on the moon and Mars and other planets and, and moons of the solar system. So we, we've certainly crashed a lot of things. Space is very hard, especially if these are remote controlled or artificial intelligence. Easier drones. to crash. That's true. Yeah, they're, they're not perfect. There's another possibility that ties all this together with, with the focus on the military is that they could be scared of our nukes or uh, uniquely vulnerable to them. So in the UFO lore, there are a lot of sightings of these things around uh, nuclear tests, nuclear plants, and weapons. So we know that nukes cause an EMP blast, right? And the very first sightings of these things happened after the the Manhattan Project tests uh, in the late 40s. You know, Roswell's obviously the big one. There's other ones around that time and in the 50s. And the most famous one, I think, is called Starfish Prime, where they they lit off a nuke in the upper atmosphere and it caused this massive EMP. And then, according to lore, there was a, a UFO that crashed after that. So, so what's the reason why they're uh, around all of our military? Well, yeah, maybe it's because they, they're trying to test the limits or, or see what our vulnerabilities are for some reason. You know, I don't know the reason why again they're here it's like maybe they're trying to stay safe from us <laughs> that's that was c.s lewis's you know proposal is that I mean, it's the zookeeper hypothesis but it, it's we're the wild animal that uh god is you know trying to protect the other aliens from us <laughs> that that's the whole uh premise of out of the silent planet 
you know, the other possibility that if, if they're not aliens, they're, they're Chinese or Russian or a Bond villain or a secret society, you know, the, the troubling implication to all of these military encounters is that this is a superior technology of some kind. Either it's an alien craft, a human craft, or some kind of holographic illusion or some other spoof or some kind of psychological weapon. And it, it is absolutely owning us. Like the, the pilots that testified with David Grush on, on Capitol Hill, I mean, they have not only stories, but they have visual infrared radar information of these craft that, that not only defy our understanding of physics, but that defy our own defensive capabilities. And that's kind of troubling. And, and I think that honestly explains a lot of the, the cover up in the Pentagon and explains some of the factions that are going on. Um, because you've got these kind of lower level whistleblowers kind of fighting against the upper level management. And there's, there's a lot of drama coming out The David Grush was basically smeared in a, um, in a publication recently, the intercept that had a source from the intelligence community. It's like, Oh, look here, here's where you can look into his background and mm, he's got some shady stuff in his background and try to use that to discredit him is that seems to be what, what happened. That's, that's my take on it. But, you know, there, there's a, there's a law just recently passed where they want to protect whistleblowers because they see that the whistleblowers are being intimidated. And that may be the whole point of this, this drama with David Grush. Um, and the fact is that this whole government research uh, program, Aero, A-A-R-O, forget the acronym, but they, they don't even have a website <laughs> for people to report this stuff. They've been very um, ineffective. I'll say it, it actually collecting these things. There seems to be a disinterest from the Pentagon. And so, Hey, maybe they know it's, it's nothing. Maybe they know it's, it's just hype and it's just illusions or whatever. I, I think they are nervous by this. It, w- again, whatever it is, whether it's aliens, demons, the Russians, I, I think they see something that they can't explain that they can't, supersede and they don't know what to do with it and they'd rather just kind of plug their ears about it well the overall effect whether or not the aliens themselves are lunatics you see here the overall effect being that of confusion yeah what do we do about this uh to help fulfill our jobs uh to fulfill our 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 pledge to defend the nation against all enemies foreign and domestic and apparently extraterrestrial how do we think about government officials who are going behind each other's back to either cover something up or expose something? Like, like I said earlier, that anybody who is a, a, a radical explore, exploration type has got to be a little bit more crazy than usual. Well, the same is true for those who go into politics. Yeah. Now, I do believe that there's some Christians who are like, you know, stop the culture wars, just, just, just do imagination, just do church, you know, just do good. And I'm like, no, cultural engagement also involves political engagement. It is part of culture. I wouldn't do it, but I wouldn't try to stop anyone who is grounded in the gospel and believes that they are called to do that and have the unique talent to do that. In fact, it would be a sin for them not to do that and bury that talent in the ground. Someone's got to do that, but I still think that someone is a little bit crazy. It's okay for Christians to be a little bit crazy and go into politics, but then you see all this crazy as a result, and that leads to my interest in this topic, not so much about uh, all the science stuff uh, so much, but what does this reveal about human beings? You know, what values are we projecting on the aliens? And you're right at the top of this segment, Zach. Like I could have projected a value of, 
why would the aliens come here? Well, just because I wouldn't go to a strange planet to explore the residence doesn't mean that a theoretical extraterrestrial wouldn't do that. There are different kinds of personalities out there among Earthlings as well as the Martians or wherever yeah. they're from. Yeah, and as far as the possibility that they're just crazy and we just can't understand them, I find that interesting too because it, it, the whole topic is very uncomfortable, right? It, it's, there's this element of there could be an existential risk to all of this. And the more we dive into it and the more we see, oh, and maybe there's more than one species of alien. Maybe there's reptiles and maybe there's insectoids and grays. And, you know, you could go down the whole list of all the different uh, supposed species of aliens. I, I mean, so for one thing, that can just steal your focus away from everything else. It becomes this rabbit hole. But it also becomes this like spooky, dangerous thing that we don't like to think about. We, we don't like to think about death. You know, we, we don't like to think about eternity. We don't like to think about our own vulnerability. For me, that's what makes it interesting. It, it, that's what it reveals about humanity is that we like to think we're, we're on top, that we got this figured out. Uh, hey, in just a couple of years, we're, we're going to build an AI that's going to solve death. We're not going to die anymore. We're going to have medicine. We're going to have, uh, maybe we'll just clone ourselves or upload our consciousness to, uh, you know, the metaverse. We're going to beat this thing. Oh, but here comes along a, a UFO tic-tac that says, oh, I, I can destroy your entire military and your entire planet. That, that's kind of uh, disturbing. And, you know, we, on one hand, we don't like to think about that. On the other hand, we do have a fascination with studying danger. You know, you think, I just saw this uh, horrible accident on the road yesterday, Stephen. And uh, the accident had been cleared to the side of the road, but everyone slowed down. Now, why is that? Well, we're kind of fascinated by, you know, uh, destruction, but we're also like paying attention to how did they get into an accident? How can I avoid it? It's that natural instinct to stay safe. I think that's another interesting aspect of humanity. I think there's a lot going on within our government that we're just never going to know unless everything gets disclosed. There, I mean, there's an obvious cover-up. That's not an opinion. There are tons of people that file these Freedom of Information Act uh, requests that get denied. Uh, there's a guy named uh, John Greenwald, theblackvault.com. He, this is his whole thing. And he's filing all these requests, getting denied. There is a military-industrial complex. Let's just talk you know, just simply about that, that there are private contractors working with the government. And, and that's what's being alleged by this whistleblower that there are private companies studying these, you know, reverse engineering these UFOs and, hey, they're making a lot of money doing this. So let's not stop the gravy train, right? Like there, there's, there's a whole other aspect of human motivation, you know, the, the desire for job security and, and uh, keeping my company alive and keeping my job in, in place. So could that be what's happening? Possibly. Um, I, I think there's, Again, w without really knowing what's going on, it, it does kind of drive you crazy because it's like, well, how, what am I supposed to think? And then why is it? Why does it matter? Like, why should I even care about this? I mean, I think part of the reason to care is that our government cares about this, and we, we should pay attention when when our government pays attention to something. Now, there's someone that would say, well, that it's all to distract us against something else. I, I think there's better ways that the government distracts us. And the interesting thing to me is how bipartisan this is. And both Republicans and Democrats have constituents that are calling them saying, will you please look into this? Like, I had an encounter. I want to know what this was. I saw a triangle. I saw a flying saucer. I want some answers. And, you know, 
everyone just wants to understand things better that are mysterious. And that is a God-given impulse to make order out of chaos. It is what God himself is portrayed as having done from the very first verses of Genesis 1. And that instinct in us, I believe, is God-given. But I think apart from him, we have the very real risk of dying without ever having had all of these questions answered. Uh, That is something I think that should drive us to God for certainly a much lesser reason But the fact that he will have all the answers and that eventually all of those things will be explained across the time span of eternity is a great hope. Just like I I don't have any hope of seeing all these wonderful uh, sights across the world before I die. It's expensive and it's a very rare person who can get to any of those, even if he's rich and has a lot of free time. But I do have the hope in the new heavens and new earth of getting to see these places and have these questions answered. God himself promises in Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So I believe that's Moses talking about God, but also being inspired by God. And it's a healthy reminder that God will reveal some secret things about his uh, eternal plot line. And that will include a lot of these side plots involving government cover-ups and whistleblowers and aliens and who saw what and what was faked and what wasn't and what was actually demons and what was just some sort of a psychological haunting thing. I think we're eventually going to get all of those things answered. And so I feel comfortable just kind of moving on with my life and letting God handle those secret things for now. Although, of course, we'll uh, dabble in that a little bit here uh, on this podcast. Before we get to our final chapter of this episode, we're going to stop by our final sponsor. This is fantasy novelist Michelle M. Brune with her two novels, Songflight and Stormdance. For centuries, humanity has fought dragonkind in a war to eradicate their evil from the land. Alyssa, daughter of a slayer chief, was already kept from the line of succession by her vocal stutter, and matters only worsen when it's revealed that her empathic abilities connect uncontrollably to dragons. But when her growing powers reveal one dragon's belief in the maker, Elisa must make the most important decision of her life, remain with her clan in comfortable silence, or find her voice to end the unjust war between the races. A young adult epic fantasy, Songflight, and its sequel, Stormdance, look at themes of friendship, justice, and mercy and following God's calling no matter the difficulties. You can go for more information to Michelle M. Brune, B-R-U-H-N dot com slash songflight. All right, Zach, moving from dragons now back to the sci-fi realm, but maybe a little more optimism here. And I don't mean that in a good way. Chapter three, if the aliens aren't liars and if they're not lunatics, they could be lords, spiritually enlightened spiritoids from the veil of outer space. Zach, this is my least favorite trope of all. If they do exist, I'd rather them be evil or just kind of stupid. But when they come along all bedecked in sparkles like the angel of light that the devil can appear as, uh, that is some spooky stuff. Spookier than everything. That's why I actually, Zach, dislike many episodes of Star Trek TNG for this reason. And, And to some extent, some of this is in Star Trek, the original series as well, uh, where you get the planet of the week or the alien of the week. Uh, where there's some uh, highly enlightened alien. Uh, usually looks like human uh, with just a little prosthetics on his head. Maybe he's in a robe or something. He looks like some sort of uh, saint from off-world. And one of those like took Wesley Crusher off to some sort of uh, spiritual existence. Oh, the, then there the was Traveler. A, yeah, yeah, the Traveler. Yeah. 
I kind of like the idea of that as a fantasy, but there's less about sci-fi there. It's much more fantasy. And so I think it just kind of breaks the sci-fi a little bit. Q is a little bit easier for me to handle because Q is an, a jerk. You know, he, he's <laughs> arrogant. He, he's, like a, he's like a human, as he's is low-key. gained omnipotent powers. Yeah. Or, or for example, in, in DS9 does this better. Because the closest equivalent in DS9, uh, not to spoil too much, uh, are the prophets. Uh, that is the residents of the wormhole near the planet Bajor. The Bajorans worship them as if they are gods. And to some extent, uh, they are divine in that they exist outside space-time because they're in a wormhole, which also exists similarly. But the prophets are also shown to be kind of distant and fickle, and they don't quite understand humanity. Uh, they kind of know what's going to happen, but they don't know a lot of stuff, and humans have to educate them. And so they're not the sort of perfect space alien who's going to help you. They need just as much help. From a Christian perspective, like, you know, no, I wouldn't want that transposed into God. He doesn't need to learn anything from humanity that he doesn't already know. Uh, Jesus didn't learn anything, even as a human. He was just sort of relearning things that he kind of gave up on the way down, and now he's got it all back again. It's a little tricky with the Trinity, but it gets trickier with aliens. Don't do that. But I don't want the uh, beyond sci-fi idea of the spiritual, highly enlightened aliens that have come down to help you. I don't like these incorporeal beings who appear as angels of light. One of my first exposures to this, Zach, I was trying to find the name of it. There was a TV movie I caught the end of. It was it was probably low budget. Um, come to think of it, it's probably a, a knockoff of the, the Thing, uh, the horror movie, which I never saw. Uh, but it was like uh, some sort of creature haunting the ice research station. All I remember is the end, which I think I, I just I glimpsed the end as a teenager. I think all but the hero and heroine had died or something terrible had happened to them. And then the hero and heroine get transmuted into glowing energy balls. And they were just drawn up into this sort of mystical wireframe of energy that was hovering over the earth. And then it was going to leave off into some adventure beyond the fathoming of human beings and i just saw that and i thought that's disgusting i hadn't even done my reading back then about gnosticism or the idea that people were going to shed their outer casings to set free their true essence into the cosmos but to think of just being absorbed like that it left a very foul taste in my mouth and to this day i have despised to the core of my being any religious notion about aliens making human beings something that is less human and any star trek episode that goes that direction especially that uh, terrible voyager one that turns you into a, you know some sort of slithering slug on a planet like it's just revolting and people don't like it i think that that is right that people don't like it we haven't seen a lot of those yet though I, like as i said earlier like the idea of the sort of the spiritually enlightened alien has kind of taken a backseat now for the space haunts uh, the aliens are not coming to share a better way now as so much in our stories. They're just invading. They're invading. They're blasting you with death rays. They're less like the Traveler and more like the Gorn. And I am okay with that now. But here's a prediction, and I, I like your thoughts on this. I think that as some of this self-worship goes on with people who are trying to disassociate from their bodies and make themselves into some sort of spiritual creatures, whether demons or animals or some sort of mythical beast, uh, I think we're going to see a comeback of the mystical, helpful aliens that you can channel. Like it's kind of underground now, but I'm guessing that that stuff will make a return within our lifetimes and there will be more overt religious expressions of people trying to transform themselves 
and invite these extraterrestrial influences into their hearts. Uh, that would be a most horrifying plot twist. And frankly, I think that would lead us right back to uh, the idea that the aliens are liars. They're not spiritually enlightened. Uh, we're not going to end by implying that they could be on this show. No, I'm, I'm ruling that out. Whether they're creatures who just build some technology that's better than ours, uh, or certainly if they're demons, uh, they are not here to show a better way. We have nothing to learn from them on the spiritual front. I'll go back to my argument in previous episodes that humans created in God's image are the center of God's plan. We are the people for whom Christ died. Uh, we can be at best agnostic about any other sentient life, but I think that that logic does a priori rule out sentient life other than demons for whom Christ did not die. If there is sentient life out there who are not demons, then they are to some extent totally depraved. They're stone cold dead in their transgressions and sins, and they ain't getting redeemed. So how much lesson do we have to learn from them other than maybe how to build a spaceship? But I would just skip all that and go straight back, back to, yeah, most of the aliens are probably just demons. But what do you think about this whole New Age movement alien to which we've alluded earlier? You can sort of go out in the woods and channel and then they'll take over your mind or, or give you a vision or something. Yeah, that, that stuff really makes me uncomfortable. Like I've said, it, it seems obvious to be sorcery and witchcraft that we're forbidden to do because uh, there be dangers that you don't really understand it. There's a similar thing happening in the the world of, um, well, I'll just say drug use, and that people are trying to hallucinate, you know, and, and they're encountering these entities in the in the drug world. And yeah, it's this idea of looking for something to enlighten you and transcend. And, you know, people, look, th th this is why the UFO thing fascinates me, because it's that same impulse of wanting a transcendent reality, wanting a higher being. That impulse is good. Of course, it's being directed in the wrong way. I do think that's a little rare, though, for people to look at it that way. I, I think a lot of people who look at uh, aliens as, you know, space brothers or whatever, is it's because we, we idolize science and technology. We, we think science and technology will solve all of our problems. And if aliens have come here from another planet, then surely they have... They have solved the problems that we have. You know, they've solved war. They've solved climate change. They've solved this and that. So, hey, if they can just give us their technology, we can make it and we can have a great civilization here. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of this is could be the powerful delusion that's prophesied for the end times that Paul talks about. You know, again, we're kind of back to chapter one if we would go down that route. You know, could could aliens uh, could the alien explanation be what explains away the rapture? That's kind of what I used to think. But also, just could the aliens be sort of the next fallen angel that tricks a prophet into thinking here is some new revelation from God? You know that that could certainly be a way that people are led astray. I'm thinking about some movies though where where sort of this happened. A more recent one is Arrival, benevolent aliens with some kind of secret of the universe. Way long ago, of course, E.T., the extraterrestrial, close encounters of the third kind, the abyss. You know, these are all 70s and 80s movies. A lot of these coming off the tail end of a more organized New Age movement and more right. organized mysticism in the 70s as well. Yeah. And even, you know, the Carl Sagan story and movie of Jodie Foster, Contact. So uh, mystical. So mystical. It is. It, I mean, here's the weird thing about the ending of Contact. Uh, spoilers if you haven't seen it, but it's you've, you've had your chance. Um, I watched this with my oldest daughter and she pointed out something at the end. She's like, so 
They meet the aliens. They go to the alien planet. You know, uh, Ellie Airway goes to the alien planet, and she still doesn't get the answers that she wants. She thinks, "Oh, we'll get this Encyclopedia Galactica with the answers to the universe." Nope, she doesn't get it. She just goes back and has very little to prove for her experience, and then that makes her more empathetic to religious believers that maybe can't prove everything about their faith. Of course, I think it's kind of a weak argument that the movie makes, but it may, it's empathetic towards towards Christians in, in, in the end because now she finds herself in the same position of not having extraordinary evidence to prove her extraordinary claim. But at the same time, it leaves you in this sort of ambiguity of like, well, we, we didn't solve all of our problems, so uh, it, it leaves this gap. And I, I think that's kind of the more realistic uh, answer that, yeah, I, I think if, if all these UFOs are aliens and they're actually here and they're studying us, they don't seem to be that interested in uh, an organized sort of contact. They're not landing on the White House lawn, as everyone says. Uh, they're not, you know, putting their technology in our museums for us to study. They're on some kind of other mission that, that they seem kind of apathetic towards us and maybe hostile. So I, I think these movies like The Abyss, like Arrival, they're, they're just kind of wishful thinking like, oh, the aliens will come here and they'll, they'll be our saviors. They'll be our gods. It's interesting. There's not that many movies like this, Stephen. And I, no. I think it's they're back in, like you said, they're back in the 80s and 90s and not very common now. Well, I'm okay with that uh, for the reasons that I mentioned before, but I'm guessing that will eventually change. I'm guessing that will eventually change in some way. Uh, I don't want to see it change in that way, but I'm just, I'm trying to kind of track what's going on right now. And most of the stuff that starts more underground and more fringe uh, people on TikTok talking about uh, their embrace of their inner so-and-so or they're trying to change their bodies to look like some fantasy creature. Uh, I'm guessing that will just keep going because then someone will come along, someone uniquely gifted at the intersection of publishing uh, and celebrity and mystical appeal and quite the showman will come along or maybe a few, a few someone's like that. Someone will start a YouTube channel. It'll happen a little differently than it used to back in the 70s and 80s. And we'll put the pieces together. Hey, you know all those weird people who used to talk about aliens? Well, guess what? I've been in touch with them, this person will say, or, or these, these groups will say. I've been in touch with them, and I can explain why you feel so disassociated from your own body. You're actually a spirit creature from the stars, and the aliens want you back, and they will embrace you. Your parents don't love you. Your government doesn't love you. Your religion doesn't love you. you know, your friends at school don't love you, but the aliens will. And I can help you get in touch with them. And I just wrote myself a little horrifying science fiction right now <laughs> from a Christian yeah. worldview, uh, you know, and then some author out there listening like, okay, that's fine, folks. You can have that for free. Off you go. And we'll get very different versions of that from different voices, I suppose. Uh, but you can just see that happening where someone puts together the fantasy and the sci-fi and the paranormal, and it all turns into some terrible, spiritually toxic, bubbling mess. Uh, I don't want to see that happen to people, but I'm afraid that it will. Not afraid, yes, afraid, because the devil is still fearful and he's still extremely powerful. But again, greater is Christ. Christ can explain these questions. Christ can actually help these poor people redeem their views of their bodies. Uh, as Nancy Piercy's wonderful nonfiction book, Love Thy Body, argues, you've got to get rid of this wicked notion uh, that you're some blob of spiritoid stuff trapped in this physical existence and you need to get out or change yourself. This is not true. God has given you your body, yes, as flawed and as ugly as you may feel. 
He has given you that body for good. And maybe some habits will help, maybe eating better, uh, maybe finding someone who can help love you better and nurture you. It should have happened before, but maybe it can happen now. It is the hope of humanity redeemed by the human creator, Jesus Christ personally, who is human to this day, not alien, not a floating ghost out there. Uh, he is human and he is also fully God. He is the only hope to make you feel at home. Maybe not always in your body, uh, but at least start to feel that you will be at home in the new body that you're going to get. You're going to be human forever and ever if you are in Christ. He's not going to yank you out and turn you into something else. God likes matter. He likes his own image, which is what the human being is, the very image of God, broken by sin and suffering and rebellion and trauma, but not beyond redemption. So look to Christ. Don't look to the aliens. Uh, don't be afraid of the aliens. Don't mock them too much because there is some serious stuff going on. Uh, but also don't look to aliens for your salvation. Look to Jesus Christ. Stephen, all of this is a good reminder of why we do this podcast, which is because human culture matters. Evangelism, missions absolutely matter, absolutely important. The saving of souls is very important work. But then we have to do stuff. <laughs> we have to do something with our lives, with our bodies, with our talents. Part of that is creating culture. Uh, we create art, music, books, movies, plays, all kinds of things to express uh, the truths that are revealed by scripture, not the hidden truths of the universe that only the aliens or the whoever can tell you. God has made his truth clear. He's made his, his way and, and through his creation, he's made his nature clear to us, as it says in Romans one. And so, uh, so we're here to celebrate stories and, uh, just emphasize the point that Christians need to be making stories and, and finding and celebrating and sharing those stories. That is what Lorehaven exists to do. And fortunately, in this uh, coming week, uh, we have uh, more of a mission update for you. Got a full slate coming up. We kind of took, uh, took a break from articles throughout the month of July. Everybody pretty busy for the summer. But uh, this episode of the podcast releases on Tuesday. And then on Thursday, we're going to have a new article from Josiah DeGraff that talks about that cultural engagement. Josiah is asking a very important question. Should we seek the gospel according to popular stories. And he's going to address this issue that we see of churches uh, really trying to engage the culture, sometimes by having a cheesy cosplay, for example, or having an at-the-movies sermon series, uh, or maybe some of those older books that you used to see on Christian bookstores uh, with titles like The Gospel According to The Simpsons, or The Gospel According to Game <laughs> of Thrones, The Gospel According to that webcomic I really like, so I want to talk about it and get paid to do it. It gets kind of corny for sure, uh, but Josiah has a really firm yet sensitive way of exploring that in his article. Don't miss it. On uh, Friday, we will have a new review of uh, actually the book that was our top sponsor. Uh, that is the pirate fantasy novel Savage Bread that's coming out on Friday, uh, well in advance of the book's actual release a little later this month. As I mentioned, you can subscribe free to get updates and join the Lorehaven Guild. That's where we do monthly book quests through the best Christian-made fantastical fiction we can find, includes science fiction also includes conversations about the aliens. You have something to say about it. I know you do. Uh, and that's the place to do it uh, in our Armies of the Aliens topic in the Lorehaven Guild, our exclusive server on Discord. Get your secret invitation code by subscribing free at lorehaven.com. Of course, you can also leave a comment uh, at this uh, podcast page at the Lorehaven website 
or tag us on social media. Just search for Lorehaven and we'll be there. Uh, Zach aboard the spaceship. I've left the notifications unread for a while, but we've uh, we've got a few feedbacks now on the transom. Yep. Uh, let's see if we can clear those off over here at the comm station. Yeah. So after our last episode, 174, how can fantastical stories train Christian fans in philosophy? And that was with our guest, uh, Phil Lawler, the co-founder of Adventures in Odyssey. We got this comment from Ginny Hastine, who said, quote, excited to listen to this. Let's face it. Most of us homeschoolers were philosophically shaped by Adventures in Odyssey. End quote. Yeah. You know, again, Stephen, this has been such a fun uh, set of stories to go through here in our family. I, I was not aware of this series when I grew up, but I know that a lot of people grew up with it. And so it, it's just fun to see adults talk about this that, you know, now we're in what our second or third generation of people enjoying these stories. So it's great to, it was great to hear from Phil about how he wove a lot of philosophy into those stories. And also in the guild, uh, Mahina remarked, quote, it was a really long one, but felt too short. I've got to go back and listen to Phil's other episodes. Philosophy never sounded interesting to me, but now I'm intrigued. End quote. And uh, yeah, I I appreciate the uh, the comment there. Yes, we know that was a uh, two hour episode, which is not our norm. Uh, don't worry, uh, listeners who try to listen to this in one or two commutes, <laughs> we're not going to make that a a habit. Just sometimes, you know, we just kind of go off, and then we we just have to cover a lot of ground. But it it is funny sometimes when when people say, "Oh, I could have kept going three four hours." I I I blame Joe Rogan for all this, Stephen. That would be a Phil Lawler's uh, Justice League link there. And then along comes Executive and says, oh, no, you have to cut some important themes. You have to cut some character development in order to maximize the show times. Like, yeah, no, who's who's going to say that to uh, Phil Lawler at one of those fast paced episodes, though, Zach? I really enjoyed it. It's probably going to be one of my favorites there. Uh, yeah, we don't, however, intend to make that the norm. But hey, folks, you just got a one hour, 45 minute free philosophy lecture from the guy who helped make adventures in odyssey donating his time uh, what a brick of a fellow i super appreciate that and i'm gonna try to make philosophy law a lawler a thing uh not just a lollard uh, but a lawler uh as uh, cumbersome as that can be to say uh, make sure you check that episode out and hey if you have a firm opinion on whether we should go long with our podcast episodes probably not but if you feel like they should be shorter too you have any suggestions at all let us know let me just throw out a poll there you know should uh fantastical truth episodes feel free to go longer if we need to yes or no please answer no because sometimes we can't handle <laughs> the bandwidth but my my thought there is that so long as we're not just sitting there dull and doing small talk and talking about the weather and people you haven't heard about and then taking a break to sell you a mattress or something then i think we'll make the exception every once in a while if the spirit leads for a longer episode, but it's not going to be the rule. Uh, that holds for our next episode, too. Next on Fantastical Truth, back here on Earth, among us humans, as Zach was saying earlier, God has called every person to create stuff using his stuff, and Christians should know this even more because we know our Creator personally. But as we also know, many Christian leaders and churches have gotten really busy or really ignorant about this, and they do not heed well our Creator's call to lead a rich, imaginative life for the common good of our world. How can we instead cultivate this vital mission? Guess who's coming to the studio? It is my co-author, Ted Turneau. 
We helped write uh, the pop culture parent together along with Jared Moore. And before that, he wrote a book called Papologetics. Now he has a new big book out. This is like a textbook. I know he's been working on for a long time. It's called Oasis of Imagination, Engaging Our World Through a Better Creativity. There's also a shorter volume, a companion called Imagination Manifesto, a call to plant oases of imagination. I'm sure these works will challenge you and encourage you just as they will us. And Ted is going to make his Lorehaven debut and help make our creative gardens flourish. Meanwhile, I think it's important to remember that God has given us planet Earth for our flourishing. You may feel like you don't belong here. Maybe you feel like you don't belong even in your own skin. There's something wrong with you that maybe the aliens could answer. Or maybe you find relief in knowing that the aliens may be just as dumb and confused as we are. Or maybe you actually find some weird comfort in the idea of some scary alien out there who's going to spook some sense into you. I think there may be some good ideas in these three responses, whether the aliens are liars or lunatics or lords. But as I mentioned earlier, let us turn not to spaceships, but to Jesus Christ, uh, who is fully human and fully God and who alone can bring us into that happy forever eternity as we continue to seek and find his fantastical truth.